0: Almighty Father, whose dear Son, on the night before he suffered, instituted the sacrament of his body and blood, mercifully grant that we who receive it thankfully in remembrance of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who in these holy mysteries gives us a pledge of eternal life and who now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it onto the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, with your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. The Word of the Lord.
1: A reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. so that when we co- you come together it will not be for judgment about the other things i will give directions when i come the word of the lord be to God.
2: this is the gospel of our lord jesus christ according to luke
3: glory to you lord christ
2: and when the hour came he reclined at the table and the apostles with him And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This is the cup that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them would it be who who was going to do this? A dispute also arose among them as to which of them would be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greatest, one who reclines at the table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves? You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom, That you may eat and drink at my table, in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. The gospel of the Lord. Praise you,
3: Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful to gather together on this holy night, Lord. We're thankful that as we remember uh, your words and your acts, We know, Lord, that you are here with us, that you are present. Pray, Lord, we would have hearts and minds and souls responsive to you. Give us ears to hear you. We ask all this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. And again, welcome and thank you so much uh, for being with us uh, tonight. It's a joy uh, to have resurrection and, and Church of the Cross here together and I believe some Restoration and Redeemer folks even snuck in, and that's great. And and guests from other churches. So we're just so glad. What a what an important night um, to remember the bond uh, we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, one of uh, my favorite things um, that I get to do um, as a pastor, in addition, of course, to washing feet, um, that's my favorite thing. Uh, but my one of my other favorite things is um, talking with kids about communion. Um, at Church of the Cross, we do a um, a communion class, a, a gathering. Um, uh, once a year, a couple times a year, uh, where we talk with um, children and with their parents about communion and its importance. We call it Share the Feast. Um, and at one point um, in the class, we gather everyone up here around the altar, the kids um, and their parents. And we just talk through the communion liturgy, the Eucharist liturgy. I'll use communion, Eucharist, Lord's Supper probably interchangeably um, tonight. Uh, but we talk through what are the words that we say um, as we celebrate the Eucharist. What are the actions um, that are involved, right? What does the, the pastor say who's leading the time? What do the people um, say? How often do we do it? I even talk about what I wear. I make the tired joke, this is a stole. No, that doesn't mean I stole it. And the kids laugh because they're nice to old men who make jokes. And, and we have a great time. Um, and then I'll ask the kids, I'll say, well, when you've been at another church, right, many of you have visited other churches and, and experienced communion there, what's that like? What, what have you noticed? And they'll talk about things that they see that are similar, um, that we do similar to other churches and things that are different. So, for instance, um, children will often point out, well, you know, other churches I've been to um, during communion, everyone remains seated, um, and they'll pass the elements out, and they'll receive them, and then they all eat at the same time, right? They'll all eat the bread or the wafer at the same time, and they'll all drink at the same time from the cup. So we talk about how that's really a picture of unity. And then we talk about how at our church we, we get up and we come forward. I mean, that's a picture of the response and faith, that we receive an invitation to come to the table, and that when we get up, it's a way to remember, yes, we walk to the Lord. He has come to us, but he invites us to respond. And we talk about how as we come forward, we're remembering our unity as we come uh, to the same altar uh, to receive. And I want to think about tonight, what do we learn from the words and the actions of Jesus' institution of the Lord's Supper, of this night um, that he celebrated Passover with his disciples? What are some of the things we learn about the Eucharist, about communion? And again, I say some of the things, I'm not going to delve into all the meaning of Holy Communion. But obviously, the Lord is teaching his disciples and teaching us what is happening as we receive, as we participate in this meal. And the first thing you'll note as we um, look at the gospel reading is how important it was for Jesus to share this meal with his disciples. What an important moment it was for him to have Passover with them. If you were here or at another church um, on Sunday for Palm Sunday, one thing we noted here at Church of the Cross on Palm Sunday is um, how much detail actually is given in the description of Jesus coming into Jerusalem about getting that colt. There's a lot of information because we realize, oh, getting that colt was very important. Right, There were details to be worked out, but Jesus wanted to make sure there was a colt that he could ride in on coming into Jerusalem. In the same way, we don't include it in our reading tonight, but the passage before this in Luke is all the detail about setting up the upper room where they met for Jesus to be with his disciples to celebrate communion with them. And so we see this was a big deal. It was important to have a place where Jesus could talk with them and share with them and celebrate this meal, celebrate Passover with them. It's not communion yet, um, or sort of is, right, to, to celebrate the Passover meal with them. And we see, right, in his words as he says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. We also just see his affection for the, the disciples, the 12 disciples gathered there. Verse 28, you are those who stayed with me in my trials. You are those who I've ministered with for the last three years, and I want to spend this night right, together with you, this meal I have looked forward to, celebrating to having this Passover meal together. Right? Again, we just see his affection for them. I've been in many um, rehearsal dinners on the night before a wedding, and oftentimes someone will make a joke calling it the Last Supper and sort of comparing, you know, the suffering, um, you know, of Christ to the suffering of a wedding, you know, sort of, again, a tired joke. But there is a connection, right, between uh, a rehearsal dinner and this dinner. right? the night before you're married, before you make this momentous um, uh, moment in your life, before you commit your life uh, to someone else in marriage, right, you want to be with people you love. You want to share stories, right? You want to enjoy fellowship, right? That's just something we all experience, and that's what Jesus experienced on this night. I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. But then he tells them, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I believe there, yes, he is speaking about, right, the, the coming marriage supper of the Lamb, which we hear about in the book of Revelation, about the, when the fullness of the kingdom comes, again, there will be a great feast that we will celebrate together, that he will celebrate with his disciples. But I believe there also he is speaking of his death and resurrection, right? When he says until this Passover is fulfilled, right, he's acknowledging that the Passover points forward to what is about to happen, right? In the Passover, right? The, uh, the Israelites celebrated that meal together as they were being brought out of slavery and into freedom. Right? And Jesus is about through his death and resurrection to bring us out of slavery out of slavery into sin and to the de- death and to the devil and into freedom, right? In the Passover, they slay the lamb, as we just heard read about, and took the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost, right? So the angel of death would pass over them and Jesus' blood is about to be slain in order that death may pass over us in order that we who put our faith in him and in his blood may receive eternal life, right? They don't understand this yet, but he's telling them, right? This, you are about to see the fulfillment of this Passover meal. But then he does more to help them understand as he takes the bread, he he takes the cup, and says, this is my body. This is my blood of the new covenant. Now we would think probably at this point the disciples have gotten used to Jesus saying things that are surprising and unexpected. But surely at this moment, they were thinking, wait, what? How can that be? How can he say that? That here we are celebrating Passover together and that he would say, this is my body as he breaks the bread. That he would say, this is the blood of the new covenant, which I'm giving to you, which is poured out for you. Again, I don't think it yet made sense to them. We know it didn't. But certainly what they heard in that is, I'm giving you myself. My very life I'm pouring out for you. Right? This actually is a memorial feast to the Lord. Right? But I want you to have a memorial feast to me, to do this in remembrance of me. So they heard, right? I'm giving myself. I'm giving my life to you. And this is what happens as we come to the table. As we receive from the Lord, we receive his very presence. We receive his life-giving life that is an invitation for us. And just as the disciples do, we receive it together. We receive it as a community. And this is so important, right? It's so important that he had this meal with them. That he said, I desired for us to all be together. And that continues to be the case, right? As we receive communion, as we celebrate the Eucharist, we do so as a community, or tonight, as many communities. Praise God. And this is something, right, I think is so important for us to remember because it's been so hard, right? We've had so many challenges to receiving the Eucharist together over the last couple of years, right? When lockdown began, one of the first conversations that we had as a staff here was how do we continue to give people communion, right? That's part of our calling as a church. We have to fulfill that calling. Right, and so we did for a while the, the drive-through, right, not an ideal situation, but people could come and could pick up elements, bread and wine, juice that we had prayed for and, and been blessed that they could bring home and then receive as they watched the live stream. Again, we compared it to the, like bringing communion to someone in the hospital. We, we said there's a precedent for this, only we're bringing communion to everyone in our church. Right? And that was, again, what we needed to do at that time. But again, we felt the sacrifice of it. Right? Communion is meant to be taken as a community, right? We were all spread out. We had to be. And even as we were able to gather together again, and we're so thankful to, for a while we continued to do it in, our, in the pews, right? Separate from each other, keeping lots of distance. Even as we could come forward, we had to keep lots of distance from one another. And again, I think after having gone through that, as we're starting to recover from that, to remember, again, that was a sacrifice that was necessary, and we believe right to make. But it was a sacrifice, the part of communion actually is living into, right, the, the meal we have together. I mean, just note how close they were together on that night. Right? It says he reclined with them at the table. In the Gospel of John, right, we have a moment, if you remember, where John actually asked Jesus a question and, um, on the same night, right, that, that same upper room, and it just says that John leaned against Jesus and asked him his question, right? That's how close they were to one another, right? That's what they were experiencing. It makes me think of what we experience as we receive a communion here, right? We don't actually have a ton of room up here, so we're often bumping in uh, to each other. Sometimes we bump the mic, and it hits Andine's uh, face as we do communion, right? Sometimes, you know, we bump into the um, baskets, and then the basket tips over, and you're terribly embarrassed, but then it happens next week to someone else. I mean, it's part of what happens in communion, right? A child goes the wrong way, and the parent has to run after them. That's actually a great picture of the church, right? We bump into each other. Sometimes it's a pleasant, right? How great to bump into you. Sometimes it's more like a fender bender, right? Sometimes it's more like a car crash. We bump into each other, right? We bump into each other's pain. We irritate each other at times, right? We bump into different visions, different ways of life, but that's the church, right? We live that out in communion, right? Part of living that out is actually as we run into each other, as we experience sort of the, the bustle of communion, we're remembering, ah, this is what it means to be the church, Right? And what unifies us, what brings us together, this altar, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, is so much greater than the things that would push us apart. It's so much greater than the things that would divide us. And again, we act that out as we celebrate together. Now let me say a, a word here about the common cup, right? the receiving from... The common cup, um, as many of you know, uh, before um, COVID, um, it was our tradition, at least here at Church of the Cross, that we'd invite people before They could come, and they would take the bread and either receive from the cup, which had wine in it, the common cup, um, or the trays, uh, which had um, grape juice um, in them. Um, and uh, as we've restarted communion and gathering uh, together, the question has been, what about the common cup? right? We realize it may be debatable how much health risk is there. It is wines, alcohol, it kills germs, right? I mean, we, we've thought through all those things and, again, the theology of it, right? But we've also realized that coming forward and seeing people drink from one cup, right, can be sort of like, well, do they not care about COVID, right? We've understood their optics. And yet optics are the very reason or one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why we take from the cup. But what a powerful symbol, of our shared life together, right? And again, we've always offered different options. We've never required that everyone drink from the same cup. But as we do that, even as we see others do that, it's such a picture, right, of receiving from the Lord and, and taking from Him. So we're going to have the common cup available um, tonight. Again, we're thinking through how do we continue to sort of get back into our, our rhythms. Um, so just know that will be an option as you come forward. We'll actually have a tray of wine next to the common cup if you want to take the wine. I know we give you so many options, it can be overwhelming. But if you want to take the wine from the cup, you can do that. If you want to take wine from a small cup, you can. There will be trays with juice in them as well. As I was thinking about this, I thought of an early uh, men's retreat that we had here at Church of the Cross. Um, And um, uh, when we celebrated communion at the end of that retreat, uh, I think we had just forgotten to bring a tray. So all we had uh, was the the cup. And there wasn't a, a big group of us. Again, this was kind of in the early years of Church of the Cross. But as we each received from that cup, there was such a, a powerful moment. And one of the, the men on the um, retreat, um, Sammy, had grown-up in Kenya had a very different life experience from everyone else um, there and was very aware of that on this men's retreat. But he said, as we all took from that same cup, it was such a powerful lesson for him that as much as he felt different from everyone in that group, right, that the bond he had in Jesus with those other men was more powerful. And again, we, we live that out as we celebrate communion. And so we have that invitation to come and to receive from the Lord. But in verse 21, right, right after those words of institution, Jesus says, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes, it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So we have that reminder there that one of these close friends of Jesus will betray him. And Jesus knows it. We have that reminder there right after the words of institution of the immensity of sin. And Jesus says, woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Sin is damaging. Right? Sadly, right? Judas never turned back to the Lord. He never sought out the mercy of the Lord. Judas is a reminder to us, a warning to us of the immensity of sin, of the danger of hard-heartedness. A warning to come to the table. You may have noticed this, that in our liturgy, in many of the communion liturgies um, that we say um, here at Church of the Cross, in the Anglican liturgies, we actually note the betrayal. We will say on the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. We have a regular reminder of the immensity of sin, of the, the power of sin, but even the greater power of the mercy and the grace of our Lord. But again, that inspires us to come to the table to receive, right, the Lord's grace and his mercy, to receive his presence, which helps us and strengthens us to receive his very body and blood as we come and receive. Right, and it's not just Judas's sin. It's noted here, though. Right, because after hearing about his betrayal, right, we're told, verse 24, and a dispute arose among them as to the which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. On this night, right, where Jesus is speaking of his coming suffering, his disciples get in an argument about who is the greatest. Perhaps as they were talking about, you know, who was going to betray Jesus and were arguing about that, it led to, well, it's not me, right? Because I'm I'm one of the best, right? I'm in the top tier of the disciples, right? I'm one of those whose name will be remembered later by Christians. I'm one of those obscure um, disciples, right? They argued, right? Who's who's the greatest? And of course, right? Jesus, once again, once again, Right as he does with us tonight, as we have washed one another's feet, as we've observed the foot washing, once again, he reminds them, I have called you to serve. Right? My way is not the way of the world, right? the way of the Gentiles, right? the kings who exercise lordship. Right? My way is the way of service. Right? My way is the one actually who serves at the table. That is what I've called you to. Again, he has to remind them, you come to this table in, with humility, right? acknowledging actually the call to serve one another. Now, if Jesus had asked me my opinion about this talk um, he gives uh, to the disciples, right, I would have said yes, right, emphasize you know, the servanthood and yes, washing feet, that's a great idea, right? That's a good lesson for them. But then if he said, you know, I think I'm gonna end then with telling them that I'm gonna give them a kingdom and they're gonna each sit on a throne and and judge the 12 tribes of Israel, I probably would have said, you know, Jesus, maybe leave that part out. Because um, these guys, if they're so prideful, right, that they keep arguing over who's the greatest, even when you told them again and again not to do that, the worst thing you could possibly do is tell them that they're each going to sit on thrones someday, right, and judge the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Aren't you feeding their pride? Of course, Jesus, right? Jesus doesn't just deal with our sin. although He does, praise God. He calls us to new life, right? He gives us a call. He calls us to live out that eternal life, to live out that mercy, And he doesn't hide that with the disciples. Even as he's calling them to humility, he's saying, there will be great things done through you. But the only way, right, these great things will be done through you is if you humble yourself, if you become like a servant. Actually, as you humble yourself, you will receive a calling to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And each one of us has a calling. And so, yes, as we come to the table, we're aware of our need for the Lord. We're aware of our need for his grace and his mercy. But we also come to the table receiving a calling, a calling to serve in his kingdom, a calling to live as his people. And again, to serve in that kingdom is to wash the feet of one another, right? It's to show the mercy that we've been given. And so in a few minutes when we celebrate communion together, I hope you will feel um, as you get up and come forward, you'll be aware, powerfully aware of all that we receive as we come to the Lord's table. Let's pray for that. Lord, we are just aware of how generous you are, Lord, of how bountiful your mercy and your gifts are. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of new life that comes through your body and blood. We thank you, Lord, that we get to receive your very presence. And we thank you, Lord, that we receive a calling from you, that you have given us gifts to serve you and to serve others with pray, Lord, you would just give us open hearts to receive all you have for us in this night. We thank you again for the joy it is to be together. We earnestly desire, Lord, to celebrate this meal with you and with one another. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.